Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to USTA Florida's Here to Serve podcast. My name is Laura Bowen. I'm the executive director for USTA Florida. And today I have a very special guest, our USTA Florida president, Dana Andrews, is joining us for the podcast to talk about all kinds of things related to parent and player behavior at our tournaments, and there's no one better to do this. So welcome, (laughs) Dana, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is probably one of my favorite subjects. Well, excellent. Um, You know, you recently shared with us a letter that you wrote to Bobby Curtis decades ago when he asked you how to run the best junior tournaments in Florida. Um, So I wanted to start maybe by having you tell us how that letter came about and what you think makes a a tournament experience good for our players. Well, this is an unbelievable story. And of course, if it involves Bobby Curtis, you know, it's a great story. Um, Around the time this was, I looked at the postmark on the envelope. It was August 1984. Uh, So I was actually in law school at the time. And my father must have been involved either with the junior tennis or present at the time. To be honest with you, I can't remember. But he and Bobby were very close and were working closely on junior tournaments. And as you can imagine, in the 80s, things were really starting to boom. And so Bobby had reached out to me and sent me a letter about his ideas of what would be the best run tournament. And then he asked me to review it and give my input as being a former player what I thought would be the best run tournament. And looking back at it, so much applies today. I mean, I I thought about it before I looked at the letter, and when I look back at it, um, it is so applicable today. So coming into the Bobby Curtis State Close this year, I really wanted to share with the parents and the players uh, what my feelings were in terms of being a player, being a parent, running the tournament, how it can be the best for everyone involved, and to honor Bobby Curtis in the way that we do that. And so that's really what prompted the letter uh, that hopefully a lot of parents got to read who were participating in the state closed. So in terms of your question about uh, tournament experience, it's interesting. I looked at Bobby's letter and my thoughts as well. To me, it starts at the top, which means the tournament director. Mm-hmm. That role is so significant because think about it. When you walk into a business office, the receptionist is the first person that you see. How are you greeted? How right. are you respected? How are your questions answered? So, so important. And so, yeah, I, I think that the tournament director, they being positive, willing to answer the questions, being organized, fair, all of those qualities, to me, that's that's really imperative. Um, and then also, I think about the younger divisions, the 12s and the 14s. I think back, I was blessed to be a tennis parent. My daughter <laughs> played junior tennis. And um, what made certain tournaments fun? Yes, truly, tournaments can be fun. And I think at the younger ages, that's where the tournament director can be uh, really creative. It sounds corny, but an ice cream party, pizza party. We would have some tournaments had a bake-off. Oh, Uh, yeah. That's my kind of tournament. (laughs) Yeah. And then sometimes the bake-off could be 
a fundraiser for mm -hmm. someone in that community. So the kids really got involved in that and really looked forward to it. Yeah, I can understand in the older age groups, it might be a little bit too corny, but for the younger ones to let them experience a fun tournament and throw that in there, I, I think that's really, really uh, important. And it, and it doesn't cost a lot. And then the other thing too is make sportsmanship an emphasis in those young ages. I mean, we all know going into a tournament, there's only going to be one winner. It, you know, not everybody gets the trophy. And that's one thing actually I like about tennis uh, because that's life. And I think that if we emphasize sportsmanship, that there will be that sportsmanship award at the end of a tournament. It could be a player, obviously, that's not playing in the finals and they find out after the fact. But for the kids to understand that it's not just about who wins that last game. You could be an award winner because of your behavior. So those are just some thoughts I have in terms of the tournament experience itself and what we can do to continue to make it better. And really, my emphasis is at the younger ages, because we get everybody on track at that point, then you know, I think the 16s and the 18s will work themselves out pretty darn well. Um, in terms of the parent behavior, I'll probably get into that maybe a little bit later. But as far as the tournament itself, I think those are just some ideas to make it a really good experience for the players. And that's come up, you know, in multiple conversations we've had about various events over the years. It's just making it fun in that 12s and 14s age group that that's come up. I think we focus so hard on the competition, but you can actually lose a tournament and have a lot of fun with it. And I, I'm really happy that you brought up the idea of the tournament director, the experience all around. And I think that's a large part of what we want to focus on in terms of behavior is how do we create this fun experience uh, for the kids on the court and off the court. So, you know, speaking of fun, let's talk grievances. <laughs> you know, prior to becoming our USTA Florida president, you served as our grievance chair for a number of years um, and you enjoyed it, which I, I find is <laughs> kind of funny. Um, but I wanted to know, I, I don't think people realize, you know, the types of things that might come into us as grievances, and it might uh, open a little bit of the box and shine some light on what are the types of complaints that we do receive? And can you talk a little bit about how they get handled here at the section? Well, you're right. I'm probably in that oddball that um, I, I truly felt honored to be grievance uh, chairperson. I thoroughly enjoyed interacting with the families and with the players. I felt like my role was educator and keeping things in perspective. And I did have a unique perspective in that I was a junior player and, and had the blessing of playing in college. And my daughter was a junior player and had the blessing of playing in college. But neither one of us were the superstar. You know, and um, and so I did have the perspective of the time commitment. I did have the perspective of the financial commitment of just the overall uh, stress that remember 
and this is one of the things I would emphasize. Again, we're dealing with children. Mm, and right. the pressure of the competition, that that's a whole nother category. But we are dealing with trying to raise the best child we can. They are all in different maturity levels. They all handle stress differently. And how can we, me as grievance chair, chairman and the families and the players involved, how can we keep all of that um, in our minds in terms of what's really the end goal here? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the end goal? And so, yeah, for me, uh, fortunately, my parents were very honest with me. I was the junior player who thought I was going to be the next Chris Everett. And, you know, about a year into it, my parents told me, no, you're not. (laughs) Um, So we just have to let you know that. But they said, hey, you could have an opportunity to play in college. So why don't we look that way? So, again, that's when I'm talking about perspective. And remember, to me, I would always emphasize to the families that you are giving your child a gift. Truly, tennis is a gift. You are giving them a sport for a lifetime. You're giving them an opportunity to learn right and wrong. You're giving an opportunity to how to interact with uh, different players, with different backgrounds, different nationalities. Um, Really a whole small ecosystem of how to manage life. Right. And so I would really try to emphasize that part of it rather than just the competition, which although I know that is that is very important. I certainly don't lessen that. So in terms of the types of grievances that I would have, oftentimes, unfortunately, it was really parent versus parent. Mm. And it would be very interesting when I would receive a grievance and it, it was more a parent did this or a parent did that. And mm-hmm. so in terms of the investigation of that, oftentimes I would ask the official who uh, likely was involved, uh, how, are the, how are the kids? How are mm-hmm. they handling all this? And nine times out of 10, I would hear the players were fine. <laughs> it was a very competitive match. They were respectful. They were fine. But I would have these parents that were clawing on the fence to give their input. So, you know, how would I handle that? After my investigation, again, nine times out of 10, I would put in the decision that I had been advised that the players had been very respectful, handled the pressure well. But parents, you need to go back to your corners and behave. Mm. So, again, that was tough. And I'll be honest, most of the time it was in the younger age divisions. And I get it because you're new to it. But I would always emphasize you're in this for the long haul that that, again, we want them to enjoy the game. We want them to continue to play after the juniors. Right. That it's very hard at 40, no offense, Laura, to get a softball team together. <laughs> Absolutely. I know that firsthand. <laughs> but it's not so difficult to get another friend to go out and hit or yeah. three other friends to play doubles. So right. when we talk about a sport of a lifetime, you know, that's what we're referencing. 
In terms of the other types of grievances I would receive, some of them gamesmanship. That, you know, not just the poor line calling, but maybe conveniently making that poor line call on a certain time in the in the game. And so part that's just education. Yeah. That I get it. At a younger age, you're out on the court by yourself. You want to win. And it's, you know, game point and that ball's so darn close to the line. You know, how do you call it? But I think that's life lessons. Yeah. So gamesmanship would be another one. And I would say the other one, unfortunately, it only came up a couple of times. But what you say on social media and some people don't realize that what a child posts on their Facebook, on their Instagram, it can even be back in their hotel room. And if it is something ugly that's picked up by somebody else, yes, that can be a grievance that's addressed to the grievance chairperson and and that can end up being an issue. So pretty much in a nutshell, uh, that would be it. It's interesting, you know, the the idea of the parent involvement versus the child. And these are things we even observe at JTT events, you know, where the kids are learning in those younger ages and sometimes they're tentative or they're shy and they don't call a ball out and it's out. Like you said, that's a life lesson, you know, that they're learning um, and mistakes are going to happen at those ages. And those are opportunities after the match to talk to them about. And it seems that at least lately, there's more um, there's more reason or parents want to insert themselves into the match more. And I was really curious if since the COVID pandemic has happened, do you think the behavior of parents and maybe players has changed in any way? Did that have an impact? And if so, what are we seeing that's different than before? Uh, in terms of the COVID, certainly at the beginning of the year, The uptick in grievances uh, was certainly concerning to me. It was concerning to the organization. I wish I could explain it, but I can't. I don't know if it was being so uptight to try and get those points and try and get those wins to hit the, you know, Mm -hmm. ground running into 2021. That certainly could be a part of it. Uh, We were disturbed uh, by the ugliness really of of some of the grievances downright ugly Mm -hmm. and ugly words being used ugly accusations uh and and so to that certainly we've been challenged by it another reason as to why i did that letter for the bobby curtis participants not only to let them know how honored they should feel to be playing that tournament but also what we expected from the parents and the players in that tournament. And so, yeah, it was a little bit uh, disconcerting, I would say, because, again, we're blessed with a safe sport. You have just come out of a pandemic and your child and your family happen to be participating in one of the top sports that have come out in medical articles, et cetera, that have said what a safe sport it is. And so please do not ruin it by ugly behavior. Now, I have, I believe that things have calmed down a little bit now that we're six months into it, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful. And so I hope we start, continue on that trend. 
But but yes, we did see an ugly uptick in behavior, specific, really a lot of parents involved. And I think that hopefully now that everybody is back in their routine, that that will calm down. But people do need to know we're looking at it seriously. Yes. You know, I- I wanted you to put your parent hat on for a minute um, and talk a little bit. I think for every parent, uh, it's it can be stressful watching your child play. And Mm -hmm. and that's a hard emotional thing. So as a parent of a former junior player, what were some of the things that you had to be mindful of when you were watching your daughter play? Did you have any tips, tricks, like management (laughs) tools that you used so that you wouldn't kind of be that parent? Yeah. Uh, yeah, margarita around six <laughs> <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> um, No, I will tell you what, one of the lessons I had to learn personally was that my daughter is not my personality. Mm. And a lot of people would say, thank the Lord. Um, <laughs> but in other words, I had to let her manage the match the way that was best for her. And I learned early on in watching her that she would turn to me. And I will say to parents, you know, again, my little two cents of advice, they want to please us. Our children love us. And I found that I that I got the sense that she was trying to please me. That is not why we were playing this game. I introduced her to this game because I love this game and all that it has meant to me in my life, all that it's meant to my family. And so for me, yes, it was best to step away. I dealt with it in in different ways. Some ways I would be somewhere where she couldn't see me reading a book, but I wasn't out of earshot because certainly if she fell on the court and got injured, you know, something happened. Yes. That I was close by. Uh, But, and other times, just as a piece of advice, I would have uh, another parent watch her and I would watch their child. And to tell you the truth, the children liked that. And I would have kids come up to me and say, Miss Andrews, could you watch me? And my, you know, my mom will go watch Claire Mitchell. So that's another way to deal with it. And I think a lot parents take the cue from your from your child. If you get the sense that they're out there trying to please you, you don't want that. It won't last. But if you let them manage the match on their own and then afterwards talk to them about it, what happened, some of the details. Also, you'll learn, like I learned all of a sudden, yeah, my daughter was able to um, go through her match intelligently as a tennis player and talk about it not just walk off, I lost, I won, um, <laughs> you know, that she was she was able to dissect the match, which, of course, that's what you're paying for with your yeah. lessons yeah. and strategy, that type of thing. Uh, the other thing I learned was, please do not reward bad behavior. Okay. I pulled my daughter out of a summer of national tournaments because of bad behavior. There was no way I was going to spend the money and take the time And we were just at a local tournament. She did not act appropriately. We got in the car. Those two or three trips that were planned for the summer were canceled. And I was disappointed because I was looking forward to the trips. But 
there was no way I was going to reward her for the behavior that I could hear uh, that particular weekend. And two, again, realize that they do need to learn to manage the match themselves. It can kill you to hold, bite your tongue, but that will, again, be life lessons. If, if, if they can't learn to keep the score correctly, you know, have their um, items organized on the court, you know, obviously you send them out there with enough to drink, those types of things. But again, they have to manage that to be a good sport, you know, to have to swallow your pride. We know many adults who have trouble with that. So if we can teach that early, bravo. Uh, and, and to show respect for your opponent. Again, whether you're in a business dealing, a courtroom, I don't care what your occupation is. You do need to learn to respect your coworkers and those that, you know, you may have a disagreement about. So, and again, how to handle conflict. Oh my goodness. Claire Mitchell was a master at it. I have to say, um, you know, she she definitely could stand up for herself, but she did it in a way that the other player knew, hey, I'm not going to be able to, you know, mess around with her. But she also could walk off arm in arm with that uh, player, that opponent. So I might I, I will say I'm, I'm, I know I'm giving too much advice, but one of Good my advice. other pieces Keep of going. advice would be. <laughs> Don't isolate your child during the tournament. Mm. Don't take them back to the hotel room right after the match and keep them there until the next match. I know you're thinking, oh, you've got to get them away. My daughter made some of her best friends at the tennis tournaments. And I'm talking people that she battled, you know, uh, you know, three sets, seven, yep. six in the third yep. tough battles. But after the match. Yeah, of course, I'd make sure she was in the shade, but we would stay often at the tournament site. Say we ran and got food for the kids. They would all have lunch together. Sometimes if you have the opportunity to stay in another family's home, number one, that's saving you the hotel room. But that type of camaraderie, rather than so isolated, uh, really can, can make a difference in the tone of the tournament. And as I would tell parents during the grievance time period, the first list of guests on my daughter's wedding list was her tennis coach, number one, Kevin Quay, and then all of her best friends from the junior tennis tournaments. And then the next group were her college tennis buddies. So it is possible to be friends and compete and also with the parents, too. I had a lot of the parents on my wedding list for her. So, And that gets to the fun that you were talking about earlier. It's not just, hey, we're going. It's not fun to just go play a match, be by yourself. I mean, that that's very tedious. And especially at that 12 and 14-year-old oh. age, you're making a lot of friends. Like, you want to have fun. And if the tournament is providing that opportunity, I mean, just going out to the campus and seeing, you know, it's a fun place to right. kind of around and, and I see the kids running around sometimes and playing games with each other. And I think that's what they're going to remember. You know, yes. most of the kids aren't going to remember that, you know, match that they played at 12 years old. They're going to remember I went to this really cool place and I met my friends and we stayed in touch. And 
you know, I think all of those pieces of advice that are focusing more on the fun and the experience and the overall, you know, have nothing to do with the win and the loss, but how you're managing the experience for the child, which, you know, it sounds like you've given a ton of really good advice. And I have one more question about advice. uh, (laughs) And that is, you know, we all wish the world was perfect and everybody, you know, could sit there and watch and not say anything negative. We know that that's not the case. We've all been there. What advice would you give to parents who maybe are watching a match and they may be observing negative behaviors. It could be on the court, like maybe a player is do, is doing something negative. It could be their own child. It could be the opponent. Or there's another parent in the stand who is engaging in some type of negative behavior. Maybe they're clapping for double faults or they're, you know, cheering not in the best sportsmanship type of way. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to parents who are observing those situations at an event? What should they do? Well, you know, and it's been my example that you lead by example. And sure, you are going to have those bad apples. And and really, I think that the way you behave in the stands with that person um, can speak volumes. You know, my feeling is certainly if you see something disturbing, um, excuse me, let me just hang that up. If you see something disturbing, uh, yes, that is certainly something that you want to report, uh, whether, um, you know, as they say, if, if you if the hair on the back of your neck stands up about something, you want to bring that to someone's attention as to what I would call the obnoxious parent of the clapping, that type of thing. Again, you're always going to have them. But the best thing is, is to lead by example. And certainly my feeling is, is that the kids are watching us. Mm -hmm. And so how we're acting, they are going to mimic that. And unfortunately, as I would share with parents and and children during the grievance process, you start with that kind of bad, obnoxious reputation. It is tough to change it. Mm -hmm. You can change it. But you don't want to start out with that. So whether you are a parent or a player, why start out with that? Because it's a long road, starting in the 10s, the 12s. You want to finish in the 18s. Right. That's a long stretch. So uh, especially the parents and the young with the younger um, players, they seem to be a little bit more aggressive. You know what? I was always the one who would clap for a great rally, period. Whoever wanted. And I would say the words great rally. Yeah. Claire Mitchell never got upset with me about clapping right. for a good shot or a good rally that maybe she didn't win. And I think, yeah, I was teaching her a lesson in the way I behaved. Mm-hmm. So mine is you're, you're going to have to accept the fact there are going to be the obnoxious ones. But certainly if you see or hear anything disturbing and I use the word disturbing in that as adults, we know, you know, something that would sincerely bother us. You need, to, yeah. you need to bring that to someone's attention. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you can get an official. I, I think that that's just a reminder to, to people that you're not officiating the match. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are officials out there and others that, you know, are there to assist in those types of circumstances. So it's always 
in your best interest to find yes. an official and say, hey, can you watch this match? There's some questionable behavior happening or or something. You'd be amazed that as soon as the official comes over, a lot of times the behavior stops. (laughs) And you know what? And that's where too, in, in teaching your child, uh, because again, they need to understand and manage their own match. And so if something is happening on the court that is not right to them. Yeah, that's where they can politely stop and say to their opponent, I want to ask for an official. It, and, and again, that's where the players need to understand they can manage that. And if things are getting out of control, you know, a bad line call here, change of score there, everybody makes mistakes. Right. But certainly if you see a pattern, the player needs to understand that and and say, hey, I, I want to hit pause and go get an official. So my last question, uh, we have been working really hard here over the last couple of months to put together some resources on parent behavior. We're actually launching a new parent portal, um, which I believe will go out with this podcast. So I wanted to ask you for your thoughts on what um what do you think USTA Florida um, should be putting out there in terms of resources? What would be most helpful, do you think, to parents in terms of Im- improving either their behavior or just resources? I mean, we, we probably need to do a better job there. So right. what do you think would be helpful for us <laughs> to put out that would help parents navigate? You know, it's a it's a complicated system and the culture is very complicated. What would be useful, do you think? I think number one, everybody needs friend at court. <laughs> you know, if there's any way we can make that available for purchase at tennis tournaments, um, you know, that's something where whether I was on the National Grievance Committee or uh, or as grievance chairperson for USTA Florida, one of the first questions I would ask is, do you have a copy of friend at court? Have you ever read it? Right. And oftentimes, the answer was no. And in in that, in this book, not only does it have the point system, but again, we don't want to get involved in the point system. We're hoping to avoid the point system right. and the suspensions. But it talks about behavior and how those in the circle of the player can actually cause the player to have a penalty. And I think that's something for the parents that they don't have never necessarily thought of that their behavior could jeopardize a point or a game for the player. And so back to what I initially talked about in terms of oftentimes when I would hear the player behavior was fine, Mm -hmm. it was the parents. I think the parents need to become more aware of that. I think for the officials, I think for me, consistency is, is number one. I would often hear, well, and the Southeast, the officials, you know, would handle something a certain way and say in the panhandle, it was handled in a different way. I think we as an organization need to do better about making consistency in terms of the rulings. Of course, every situation is different. We get that. But if we could get some more consistency or make that a focus, I think that would be great. I think the parents would appreciate that. And in terms of helping the parents themselves, I think, again, something like this, 
I, I, I encouraging again the parents interacting with each other. Right. Uh, perhaps like my idea, watching somebody else's child. That starts a dialogue. That starts a relationship. I thought about, you know, we think that there's a lot of pressure on these kids. And when we're talking about making it fun, I can remember, think about those players. They're looking at their phone and they're seeing what their friends who are back at their school, what they may be doing on a weekend. And that fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're at a tennis tournament fighting like heck on the tennis court and their buddies are out at the mall or going to the movies. You know, parents, hey, you guys need to get together and make it a good experience for the kids and realize if it's not, then unfortunately, you probably will lose that player in the 16s. And I always used to say to the parents, you get them, keep playing in the 16s, and they're still enjoying it, and they're looking forward to seeing their friends. You know, anytime they can play doubles at a tournament, I encourage the parents to do that because, again, that makes it relationship. And and so as an organization, I think that we can, you know, let the parents know we're here for them, that we do hear them. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, that we're trying as best we can to make it consistent across the state and truly the best experience, starting with the tournament director who gets the tournament. Yep. And I, I think, you know, there's some of the things that you and I have spoken about quite a bit of how do we, you know, really work more closely with the tournament directors going forward, the officials really doing more in the official space to ensure that consistency. And then having a parent portal where it's one stop that a parent can come to and say, hey, I would like to see the friend at court. Is there a link to that that I can pull up on my phone? So if I have a question about a rule, I can see it right there and explain it. Uh, I think those are things we're going to start with. And hopefully this podcast will generate some additional ideas from the parents out there, maybe even some of the kids themselves. If if there are players out there saying, hey, I'd really like you to give this to my parent uh, <laughs> so that they can be a better parent at my events. Uh, we definitely are, are very open to listening. And that's how you got involved in our organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is and, and I don't know if you want to maybe that's a good spot to end kind of talk about the letter that you sent and how it ended up in you being the USTA Florida president because I think that is really a good example of of we do listen and take things seriously yes. and you you might end up actually on our board or on a committee or doing grievances. <laughs> well, just uh, briefly back when my daughter was playing and was going into her junior year as. We've all learned that's a big year, and USTA Florida had made a dramatic change in their tournament structure, how you got into those tournaments, and it had a big impact on that particular age group. And so there was a lot of grumbling, and I'm one of those, I don't like grumbling behind people's back. And so there was an article in the Tennis Magazine about this fabulous new structure, Well, I didn't think it was so fabulous, and I knew others didn't. And my feeling was, you know, rather than grumbling, why not put another perspective out there as to why this structure may not have been the best fit for every player? And so the article ended up being published in the Tennis Magazine. And at that point, um, I was asked to become involved 
in the junior competition structure of USTA Florida. And to me, that spoke volumes about the organization. And I've shared this with so many people that here I was a naysayer, had no intention of this article being published. And it was. But then I was asked to come to the table to talk about why why wasn't it the perfect fit as maybe everyone thought. And so that gave me an opportunity to have a lot more respect for the junior structure because I learned how the how the tournaments even get on the schedule, how you have to align them with national schedule. There are a lot of different parts to it. And then not knowing that shortly after that, I'd be asked to be grievance chairman about <laughs> two years later. So that really threw me into the mix. But, uh, but again, I so respected the organization that they asked me to come and participate when I was someone who clearly disagreed with the uh, position that the organization had taken. So, yeah, that's how my path got started. Yeah. And, you know, we're we're better for it. And I, I do try to say that to everyone who emails or calls and says I don't like something mm-hmm. is that, you know, uh, you probably aren't going to see something change overnight. But um, we take all of that feedback and input and we stay engaged with people and invite them into the space to say, OK, help help us make this better. Um, and I think kudos to you. We're better for it. Not only did we. Um, did we improve our system because of it? But we got you as grievance chair and now as USTA Florida president, you've been on our board and it's been such a gift to us. So thank you so much, Dina, for all that you do and for joining us on the podcast today and just being an all around great person to work with. We appreciate you. Thank you. I've loved it. For those of you who are listening to the audio only version of this podcast, just a quick reminder that you can see the full video version on our Facebook page and you can leave your comments and questions. We do read them, we do take them, and we do respond to them. And of course, you can check out our new parent portal on USTAFlorida.com. You'll see a link in this podcast. And for all future editions of the Here to Serve podcast, including dates and topics, visit USTAFlorida.com slash Here to Serve. Thanks for tuning in and have a wonderful rest of your day.